This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast, episode 19. Today's podcast is with Karin Ferreira, and we're talking all about writing and illustrating children's books. But first, to last week's question. Last week's question was, what's your favourite podcast? I wanted you to hit me with your favourites, drop links and give all of those amazing podcasts out there some love. So what did we have? Val Neal said that um, other than the Rebel or the podcast, and thank you very much for that, um, her favourites were Writing Excuses and Six Figure Authors, both of which I also listen to and highly recommend. HB Line gave a big list and said uh, a podcast called The Uncurated Life. And she also loves the self-publishing show, The Creative Pen, Great Writers Share, The Strategy Hour, Armchair Expert, Breaking the Glass Slipper and Ask Ally. I also love Ask Ally. Might be slightly biased. (laughs) I am on one of their uh, monthly uh, podcasts. I host with Adam Croft the fiction and non-fiction podcast, which is... I forget the date it airs, but it's uh, once a month anyway. Uh, Renee Canalti sent a photo of her list. So I will only pick out a couple. So some of them included um, SPA Girls podcast, Author Like a Boss, and the Creative Writer's Tool Belt. Jeff Kidder recommended the Story Grid Editors Roundtable. Kerry Hardisky uh, gave a huge list of lots of very interesting podcasts that um, I'm going to have to go and check out now. Uh, but they they um, included the writers well, uh, which I've recommended many a time on this podcast. Uh, right now by the lovely Sarah Werner. Um, other writing podcasts include Novelty Show. The History of Witchcraft, which sounds amazing for uh, fantasy writing research. Uh, Rex Factor, all about, uh, which is all about British uh, kings and queens. And a couple of others, Wicked Game and History That Doesn't Suck. So there are stacks of podcasts to get your teeth into. The question of the week this week is, what is your favourite children's book? Or I sh- maybe I should say, what was your favourite children's book? I personally loved Babette Cole. She did illustrated kids' books, and they were kind of naughty. They were kind of unusual. They had... Um, witches and wizards for parents and naughty children and I mean they were kind of rebellious you can see why I enjoyed them so yeah tell me what yours were the book recommendation this week is Joanna Penn's new book audio for authors I oh my god I loved 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 this book I literally binge read it and I came away with I shit you not about two and a half pages of notes each line being a new action that I needed to take as if my to-do list isn't big enough already but if that isn't encouragement to go and read this book I literally don't know what is if you're interested in audio in any way shape or form then this book is for you I loved it loved it loved it so I will include links in the show notes and personal project news well starting to feel awkward about this (laughs) 
<laughs> the last couple of weeks, I have basically not been able to work on my own stuff because I uh, run the Alliance of Independent Authors Self-Publishing Advice Conference, which is twice a year and it lasts for 24 hours like quite literally 24 hours of content. A new session goes live every hour on the hour. And oh my God, we have some amazing speakers this year. The theme is authors and income and money. Um, and yeah, like I am super excited because we all like money. We all want to earn more money. Well, I know I do. So I am looking forward to picking up a stack of tips. We have speakers like the amazing Mark Lefebvre, Joanna Penn, Ricardo Fayette, Christina Stanley, Michael Andalay. We have Ethan Ellenberg, who's a literary agent, Adam Croft, Angela Ackerman, Gabriella Pereira. Oh, and you're a cheeky rebellious host, me. And this is the first outing where I am going to be talking about the anatomy of prose. So I am both equally nervous and very, very excited because I have been writing this book for ages and I still haven't published it. But uh, I am so excited to start actually talking about it and talking about the content and, you know, geeking out with all my fellow word nerds. So yeah. If you would like to participate in the self-publishing advice conference, then I am going to drop a link into the show notes. Please note it is an affiliate link. Um, so yeah, I always like to be transparent about that, but uh, do remember it is free for three days for absolutely everybody to participate in. It's also my birthday this week, so I brought myself a new present. Like a good podcast host, I brought myself a new mic. I brought myself a birthday mic because I am super keen to record the Anatomy of Prose audiobook. I will be narrating it myself. It seems to make sense for me to do that. I know I've spoken a lot about audio and how much um, I like audiobooks and, and recording. <laughs> using my voice. So yes, I will. I will be recording that and I am dead keen to try my best and get this out as soon after the launch of the Anatomy of Prose as I can. Which brings me, oh sweet fucking Jesus, to a announcement that I am... It has been a long time since I have publicly said this, but my next book, The Anatomy of Prose, is finally, finally up for pre-order. I am launching on the 29th of May. That is a last drop-dead date. I'm hoping I can bring it forward, uh, but for now I am sticking with the 29th. I just think it will give me more time, uh, just in case, you know, well, just in case. Life does have a habit of being an arsehole sometimes, so yes, 29th of May. You can go pre-order that. In fact, you probably should go pre-order that. So when this goes live uh, on Wednesday the 11th of March, I will have been to Mark Dawson's self-publishing formula show, not quite sure uh, the official name, sorry Mark, but to the conference 
that Mark Dawson is hosting in London on Monday the 9th of March, which is, as I record this, tomorrow, as it's Sunday the 8th, me and numbers, Christ. Um, and I am hoping that I will take enough notes that I will be able to do a special bonus show with my thoughts and lessons that I've learned from the day. I'm I'm, I'm hoping I can do that because sometimes I just get engrossed in listening and forget to actually write anything. But fingers crossed, I will come back with at least some lessons. And depending how many I come back with, I will either do a special bonus show or I will just add it onto a slightly longer introduction. Next up, I just wanted to do a shout out. We, I have checked in my stats and I literally cannot believe the number of countries um, people are listening to the Rebel Author Podcast in. Like, oh my actual goodness me. Please send me photos or tweets or, or yeah, if you are in another country. I'm just gonna shout out some of the um, countries. We've got India, Sweden, uh, Malta, Australia, New Zealand, Spain, the Netherlands, Romania, Belgium, Finland, Norway, South Africa, Russia, Fiji, Portugal, Puerto Rico, Czech Republic, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Saudi Arabia, Malaysia, South Korea, Botswana, Argentina, like the list keeps going on and on and on and I just thank you thank you to everybody who is listening when I saw the list of countries which I hadn't even bothered checking because I just assumed it was like my mum listening um and maybe like a couple of other people um I was shell-shocked so yeah thank you you guys have made my day and yeah please do send me tweets and photos and yeah, just join in because it's so cool that you're listening in all of these wonderful places and countries. Okay, listener rebel of the week this week is Jasmine Arch. Jasmine says, I have always said that second person stories are incredibly hard to write in a way that works and that it being so fashionable had made me even more determined not to do one myself. Ditto for future tense stories. But in January, I decided to write a Medusa myth retelling. The characters just started shrieking and ranting at me, and that's how I wrote it, with large sections of second person, because I can fix that in editing. Except I edited it, except I edited it all into second person, only to discover that I'd included a sizable section of future tense as well. I was utterly shocked, but I'm not changing it, because if I can't break my own rules, what kind of a rebel am I? Oh, I love it. I love that you have to rebel against yourself. I do this all the time. I will quite literally argue with myself and then if I whichever one I think is more dominant look at me saying that there's two of me there isn't two of me guys I swear but you know we all think and have a voice in our head and um yeah I will also rebel against myself is my point that I'm trying badly to make if you would like to be a rebel of the week please do send in your story it can be any kind of rebellion big small or somewhere in between you can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at rebelauthorpod no new patrons today but as always a deep deep thank you to everybody who is a patron who is supporting me who's supporting the show you guys help to make sure that this podcast continues if you would like to support the show and get access to all of the bonus essays, posts, content, blooper reels, sneak peeks, all of that jazz, then you can from as little as $2 a month and by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black and that's Sasha with a C and not an S. Let's get on with the show. 
Hello and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am with Karin Ferreira. Uh, Karin is an illustrator, award-winning animation creative director and owner of Get Your Book Illustrations. She helps self-publishing authors get amazing, affordable illustrations. She's spent many hours learning about self-publishing and enjoys helping others succeed in this field. Hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome to uh, my podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here today. Would you, first of all, like to tell everyone a little bit about you, your journey, your business, and how you got to where you are today? Sure. So from when I was really young, I always wanted to do art and uh, I grew up in a very practical family, which has its good and its bad sides. But uh, so in the end, I went and studied textile and surface design because that's a more practical way of doing art, you know. Uh, And then the moment I was done with that, I didn't actually get a job. I went to America and trained to help people on, on life improvement courses and I became a counselor. So I did that for many, many years, and then eventually I came full circle back to art. In about 2010, I decided I missed it too much, and I actually just did it as a sideline. I started entering contests, and pretty quickly I started winning a couple, and I was like, oh, I can actually do something with this. So then I became a full-time freelance illustrator, and from there I learned animation, and now I have two companies doing animation and doing book illustrations. Amazing. And what kind, tell me a bit more about the animation and that side. What kind of animation are they? Yeah, just just tell me more. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, so I don't know if you know what explainer videos are, but they're like uh, basically more corporate or company videos that explain a product or a brand or uh, even, it can even be a training thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not like Disney movies or anything like that. It's, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So we do. We generally we work with some big brands, but we yeah we work really with anyone who needs a video for their website or social media. Mm-hmm. So um, you for your illustrations, you focus predominantly on children's illustrations. Do you ever illustrate um, other genres as well, or yeah? Because I'm guessing there are a wide range of illustrations that uh, authors would want yeah absolutely actually we've done a few non-fiction books so we totally open to that we really open to pretty much anything but uh, obviously mostly children's book authors need illustrations more than anyone else but uh, yeah I mean the first job we actually ever got was a non-fiction book interestingly oh wonderful okay so we are here to talk about primarily children's illustration and children's books but obviously lots of listeners won't be writing in the children's uh, genre so could you just tell me a little bit about the differences between picture book middle grade and young adult which kind of capture the whole children's sphere right Okay, yeah, so picture books are books with text or even with no text, but they predominantly, pictures bring them to life and they're very focused on pictures. Uh, You know, they're the normal children's books that people normally think about where you have double page spreads or you have uh, full page spreads or at least quite, quite a lot of illustration throughout the book and normally not a lot of text like maybe two, three hundred words, or it can be more, like maybe up to five hundred, depending on the age. And picture books also include like board books, which are the hard board books that 
you know, one-year-olds can page through by themselves without and chew apart. And chew. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, that does damage it a bit. Though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, the, and those, as you know, sometimes they have no text or sometimes it will be like one word a page. So obviously the book is usually kind of more predominant on the pictures, the younger the, the kid is. And then if they, uh, as they get older, you know, it gets more balanced between pictures and text. When you get to middle grade books, uh, a lot of them have illustrations and some of them don't have any. Like uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid is actually a good example. There are quite a lot of illustrations in there. Mm-hmm. My son has just started reading those. Oh, well, yeah. there we go. Yeah. We know what they look like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they, I mean, but you can see they're obviously simple pictures, but you get middle grade books with more um, elaborate mm-hmm. illustrations. But then also something like Harry Potter is actually also middle grade, interestingly. And that, you know, it's just text, 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 text. So it really does, middle grade varies completely. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely do, if you're doing a middle grade book, you can definitely do illustrations and no one's going to think it's weird at all. And then young adults uh, normally doesn't have illustrations. You do you do get some, but now I would I, I haven't checked it out properly as in percentage, but I'd mm. say ninety five percent doesn't really have illustrations, or if it does, um, you might have these spot illustrations, which are just a small illustration somewhere on the page, you know. Um, but you do get one like there's an author Brian Zeltznik. I hope I'm saying his name exactly right, but uh, he actually does a lot with illustrations and imagery in his books, and they young adults. So it does vary quite mm-hmm. a lot. And obviously the covers of young adult books, or especially fantasy, tends to be illustrated and sci-fi. Yeah, I think there's a huge divide um, uh, in young adult books. So I I tend to see a lot of indie author covers with a person on the front Mm. and I'm seeing a lot of although this trend is now waning but we had a huge trend in young adult of symbols on covers my young adult books have symbols on covers Um, but that was slightly more when we had the dystopian kind of boom about three or four or losing track of time but anyway a few years ago um yeah yeah, so where what where does in terms of ages where does uh picture book end and middle grade start because young adult is quite clear-cut in that it's more or less from when they're a teenager but i think Mm -hmm. the lines between middle grade and picture book i i don't even know where where that line is drawn Mm. well technically middle grade starts at eight eight to about 12 yeah so um, but as I said, I mean, really, obviously, there aren't concrete dividing yeah, lines. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. I mean, by the time you get to eight, it's not normally your picture picture book. Yeah. Uh, on a really selfish note, I am finding it really difficult because my son has just turned six, but he's an exceptional right. reader. And it's so bloody hard to find anything appropriate for him to read because... Mm. The, the content and themes of middle grade books, which are where he is reading at eight, sort of an eight year old level, it is a bit too grown up for him, you know, mm. but actually the stuff that is written for six year olds, he's so bored of and he's like, you know, these aren't interesting stories. And I'm desperate for him not to lose his love of reading just because, the, uh, the, the, you know, the books are boring because they're for sort of four year olds rather than, than, than a six year old. But anyway, anyway, I well, digress. I, I was reading adult books when I was about 
about 11 and yeah I turned out fine so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't, yeah me, me too I definitely did as well okay let's talk about illustration let's say an indie author wants to write a picture book what are their options for illustration and I suppose this is a two-part question so so I'll ask the first one first mm-hmm. um okay no no let me stop let's just stick with what are their (laughs) options okay cool so actually they have quite a few options um some more risky some less risky you can you know you can ask friends or family or acquaintances the thing is you have to take a professional approach you can't just because you think your cousin draws okay you know that's not it's not a good idea then like but you might have someone in your family or a, a friend that's actually a, a really good illustrator, and then sure, you can you can chat to them. Uh, obviously, there are also advantages depending on your relationship. Um, for someone who really doesn't have such a big budget, but they want good illustrations, actually art schools or colleges can be a cool option because uh, most of the, let's say, kids they would love to obviously illustrate a book. I mean, it's a great opportunity. Um, the only thing you have to watch for is they are inexperienced. So they might not know exactly what's needed. They might not be able to guide you. So you're probably going to have to do more research to make sure that the format is right, that you, know, that you don't get to the printer and then there's a big problem. Um, and then obviously freelancers online is a massive industry. Um, so you get sites like Upwork and Fiverr, and those can be, you can find someone awesome on there or not. It just depends. Like, um, So I definitely wouldn't say don't go that route at all, but you have to understand you might have a bad experience. Like mm-hmm. if you've never especially worked with a freelancer, um, you know, at least if you're going to do that, have a really like have a conversation with them, like a pretty full on conversation with them before starting to really feel them out because someone might also seem really cool if you chat for five sentences, but then when you get into the job, it might turn into a nightmare. Yeah. Um, And let's just, let me pause there because I think that is a really valid piece of advice for anybody looking for any kind of freelancer, regardless of whether it's illustration, it it goes for book cover designers, it goes for editors. Um, And I can talk from personal experience that I got really badly burned with my first designer who was insanely talented. And, you know, I absolutely love the cover that I got. Um, But unfortunately, due to personal circumstances on their end, it took a year to get one cover. It cost, you know, two or three times the amount that I pay for covers now um, and and got quite tense towards the end. And, you know, that is because I perhaps didn't know enough, hadn't done enough research, hadn't... um, you know, I had to pull off our contract essentially and, you know, really state that these were the terms and conditions and therefore I needed X, Y and Z. But um, it is really a lesson for everybody listening to make sure you do read terms and conditions. You do have um, contract details laid, laid out um, in black and white. Um, but and, and, you know, you really do ask those questions to any freelancer, I think, that you work with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't just think because they're a freelancer, they're just going to do a great job. I know also from personal experience, you can have 
very bad experience yeah, you know? yeah. even yeah. when the work is wonderful you know you can still yes. have a bad experience and that that was what happened to me the work was exceptional I just there was a clashing shall we say exactly. <laughs> something like that so. yeah <laughs> yeah so, so um exactly and obviously what's nice about a lot of those sites though is you can look for ratings mm-hmm. but so do look if you know if their rating's bad I would say steer clear but ratings, even so, I found don't act aren't always clean cut. Like someone might have a few good reviews, and even then, they might not be a good match. So yeah, just really chat to them. And then uh, the last thing, the last option basically would be like an illustration agency or a company like mine, and there are a few online where you know it's a little team of illustrators and like in our case and I think in most with most of them I'm not 100% sure you normally have a project manager who makes sure the project is running and so on so normally that would also it's not always a safe bet but normally that would be a bit more of a safe bet because it's a bit more established Um, obviously you know you have to look at exactly what you're after so some people love to work directly, directly with the illustrator and with some agencies you can and with some you can't. Okay. So let's say an author would like to work with an illustrator. What is your ideal client like? What should they come to you knowing? How much information do they need to have? What are, you know, what things do they have to be able to tell you in order for you to be able to give them the, their ideal product? Mm. Well, um, basically, the the what exactly you want in the illustration isn't always important. The illustrator can actually, when you work with a publisher, you actually don't get to say what you want in the illustration at all. The publisher will find you an illustrator, and then they will just read your text and illustrate it. Um, Reason with- one hundred and eighty-five million why you should probably be indie published. <laughs> Yeah. I agree. I also can't think of. I can't imagine writing a book and having no say. That I know. I just yeah. neither can I. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but, I'm not trad bashing here. I'm just yeah. biased massively and Fair openly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, with us, for instance, you can say exactly what you want, or very vaguely what you want, or just say read the text and do it. Uh, it's completely open. And with freelancers, I think you're going to have a complete range from the one end to the other. Some won't be able to do it if you don't tell them. Some will do a fantastic job if you don't tell them. So it depends. Um, Yeah, so, but in terms of what you need to know, it is a really good idea to go look at a lot of children's books and picture books, which you should do anyway if you're writing one. But uh, to see what kind of style do you like, firstly, I mean, you can obviously just start looking around for style, but you, sh- you should have an idea. And then it's also a good idea to have a, a good idea of the kind of layouts that you can do. You know, do you want just double page spreads for every page? Do you want like some single page, some little illustrations between the text? Because, you know, we can help you with that if you come to us. And I'm sure a lot of illustrators will help you with that. Uh, but, you know, it's good if you have an idea what kind of layout you want to have in the first place. Yeah. And um, so should they have 
things like mood boards? I mean, do those kinds of things help um, illustrators or do you have a... So I know when I go to create a um, cover with my now much-loved cover designers... I fill out a whole specification. So they ask me questions like, do I have themes in my work? Do I have colours that I like or really dislike? Are there, you know, any red herrings? Do I mean, um, for example, do I really, I one of the things that I didn't want on my covers were people. I wanted symbols, not people. Mm-hmm. So that was a big red, um, not red herring, red line for me. Um, so yeah. do you do you tease those things out with your um, uh, uh, authors or should they come knowing that? Is it, you know, how much do they have to have decided before they come to you? Generally, we'll discuss that. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, also you start with, because they choose the style they want, you, you know, generally that's not, you're not going to end up with something completely different, but also the process is you do a very rough sketch or often just a thumbnail sketch. So you can sort out a lot before you actually get to the full on illustration. So you're not going to have this full blown color illustration that's completely the wrong yeah. thing, you know? Okay, so in that is that is a perfect segue. Uh, so tell me about the process. Somebody comes to you and says, Hello, I want an illustration. What happens? How do you go from initial query to published book? Right. So as you mentioned earlier, it's super important to have a contract or agreement. So, I mean, the first thing would just be to find out what the person wants, like we said now, which you normally will have quite a few questions in relation to style, um, you know, which kind of things they do want. Obviously, if it's not clear, like, is the character a girl or boy or six or 12 or those kind of things, for sure. And then, yes, about uh, color, etc. as you said, so all the stylistic stuff. Um, and then... But then, firstly, before we do anything, we put the contract or agreement in place. And if you're getting an illustrator, do not do it without something in writing, because then, well, anything can happen and you have no control whatsoever. Um, so then... And also once, read, yeah. read the yes, contract. Do read it. Yeah, read it. yeah, especially if you're not the one giving the contract, you are receiving yeah. the contract. Make sure you read your terms and conditions. Yeah. This is good advice. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, because there are quite a lot of uh, variations and things to look for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we won't go into all of that now. But uh, yeah, then basically the first thing would be the kind of layout, like what sizes do you want or the kind of pagination. Like a, you can make a little mock up of the book page by page or a storyboard's normally a bit easier with thumbnail sketches if it's needed. You know, it depends on the book if it's just. Uh, single page illustration writing on the other side single page writing something like a, a storyboard isn't very crucial um, but it you know if you want something a bit more creative it is really good to think through the entire layout because obviously the illustrations can add a lot to the creativity and the flow of the book so once that's approved obviously that comes with revisions or should come with revisions until it's perfect then you get into the character design and development normally um, at least to get the main character perfect so the author thinks, okay, this is this is what I had in mind, you know? And then, then you can do full sketches. So that means just a full-size sketch of every illustration, but just a roughish sketch. And again, with revisions, should be. 
and then of course you can get into the full color so um and full color again can can have some revisions but if you've gone through the process really well you know there shouldn't be any situation of oh this is completely wrong which is great for everybody so do so do you format the entire book so that a file gets handed to the indie author for uploading or so how where does that um so do they have you know so i'm just trying to think about the page Mm. what they receive and then what happens after that to take it to publication do they Mm. i'm guessing they have to hand you they can't come to you until they have a complete edited finished story is that not necessarily although uh it is in a sense a very good idea to get it edited because sometimes obviously in editing there'll be very dramatic changes and then you know if we've illustrated one thing it might be wrong um so yeah it tends to be a better idea then we don't do the we don't do the formatting we're looking at getting into that but at this moment we just provide you the illustrations so you literally just have all the different ones then you need to get a formatter someone who'll lay it all out for you with the text mm-hmm. um obviously adding the front and the copyright and the covers and so on okay um yeah so because that is a bit of a that that comes with other technical requirements and stuff yeah which isn't yeah illustration so that is for anybody who does and i know we do have children's book listeners so um for anybody who wants to create their own um picture books it is something to think about either learning how to do that formatting with pictures with text yourself or finding a specialist formatter who can work with the illustrations and i'm guessing Mm. photoshop files or however they are they come um in the in the end so that is something uh to think about so Mm. let's let's move on and talk about legalities and copyright who Mm. owns what It depends, is the answer. So, uh, mostly illustrators actually retain the full rights to their illustrations, which I think a lot of people don't realize. I didn't. Uh, you, Yeah, you can get work for hire, which means it's kind of like, you know, when an illustrator works for a company, they, they do the illustrations for you, you buy them, they're yours, that's it. Uh, I must say with the, the illustrators retaining the full rights, it can be a problem and it can be alarming, but it's not normally that that alarming as it sounds. But it does mean, for instance, you might not be able to use your illustrations in certain regions of the world without paying them again or paying, uh, you know, buying extra rights. Or if you want to print a T-shirt or a mug or, you you know, stuff like that. So you do want to check that because you might have all these ideas for promotional stuff and then you you can't do it without buying the rights. Um, and while it's rare, if they have the full rights, they can even reuse your illustrations or parts of your illustrations for other work or other books. Uh, normally, they just want to share it on their portfolio and social media. And I mean... I think most illustrators have enough pride that they're not going to put your, you know, main character in someone else's book, hopefully. But yeah, you do want to make sure um, you know exactly who owns what, as you said, and what you can do with it and what they can do with it. And obviously, sorry, yeah? No, 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 go ahead. Yeah, sorry. And also then royalties can also That was my question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you do have to check that. I mean, it's... um, I've never charged royalties. I don't actually even know that much about it, but it mm-hmm. is definitely worth checking. Uh, my personal viewpoint on it is 
obviously, I think illustrators should be credited and get their due. I mean, coming from an illustrator background myself, uh, because especially in picture books, the illustrator makes so much of the book. But I've always viewed it, the author is the one who goes and does all the promotion and has to do all the work to get it sold. I've never seen an illustrator actually doing that part. So then I don't feel... This is my personal viewpoint, right? But I don't feel the illustrator should really ride off that. I feel they complete the work and the, the job is done. Mm-hmm. So, but this is something you absolutely must have written into your contracts because yeah. copyright lasts for the lifetime of the author and depending on which country you're in, either 50 or 70 years yeah. after your death. So if you are in a contract with an illustrator that states they must have a certain percentage of royalties, you need to organise somebody to be paying them royalties for mm. 70 years after you die. Yeah. So Unless it they're is, really old. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, but then that is the point with, with ownership and rights licensing. The illustrator, um, their children or family or whoever would wow. then inherit that copyright. So you would still be liable to pay. And but this is why I'm saying it's so important to have it written in the copyright and this is why um there's a great uh podcast episode on the creative pen with ml i think it's buchanan that talks about estate planning and um this is essentially this whole you know what you do with your intelligent property rights after you die who inherits what happens to the money the royalties so yeah if you're interested in that go and have a look at it but the point yeah it, it is it was a fascinating um uh podcast but the point is this is really important do not assume you are going to own the full rights to everything unless it is written in black and white in your terms and conditions mm-hmm. and obviously if you want to own it and the illustrator that or company that you're working with is not giving you that option perhaps they're not the company for you right at the end of the day i always say as well i think some authors are actually fine to pay royalties and that's great mm-hmm. but yeah. do make sure exactly as you said you don't want your book done and then find out that's a very exactly. nasty surprise exactly so and th- talking of nasty surprises <laughs> what should authors be aware of when approaching companies and artists for illustrations obviously we've just talked about um royalties and yeah. that royalty split but what else should they be aware of Right. So apart from the contract and the royalties, I would normally say the the top thing almost is good communication, um, because, you know, especially in today's world with freelancers, someone who's a foreign language could do a fantastic job. And I will never knock them and say they can't. But I also know from experience, you know, um, you can hire some amazing artists, as you said earlier, from numerous different countries and they cannot understand what you want and it can become extremely frustrating Mm -hmm. um so that's why i also said at the beginning chat to the person and actually see that they can understand you and that they can communicate properly i'm not saying they must be english first language fluent perfect but if you ask them a few questions make sure their answers actually make sense otherwise already it's a red light you know And then watch out as well for hidden costs. Sometimes there are hidden costs. You get um, illustrators who will not do revisions. They're like, if you want anything changed, you have to pay extra, which obviously isn't practical because if something isn't correct or what you wanted, it becomes a big problem. So yeah, just make sure what the costs include. Like, does it include a round of revisions, three rounds, what kind of things are included? 
And uh, also another thing actually to watch for is that some people can do fantastic illustrations, but they don't know any of the technical stuff. So um, when you get to, again, when, it, whether it's an ebook or a print book, it might be the wrong format or the wrong size. Or, uh, you know, if someone draws something in too small a size and now it needs to be printed, you can't use it. It all has to be redone. So it might sound silly, but stuff like that happens. And, you know, then it's a, it's a redo from the beginning. So it's important to look for like their portfolio, I suppose, to make sure they actually have, you know, a history of delivering. Yeah, they've done books. Exactly. And maybe I mean, if it's someone who's never done a book and you love their work and you want to give them a chance and probably you'll also get a better price because they knew check with them that they understand what's needed, you know, and and make sure you understand well enough. It's not very complicated. But if it's done wrong, as I said, it's not so easy to go back. You can't go back in time, you know. And then also check about uh, the timeline. If you have loads of time, like you said, your cover took a year. So luckily you had loads of time. But if you only had two months, you would have had to scramble. Mm. So check that, uh, you know, do in their review, sometimes it might say, or if it doesn't, make sure that you don't see anything that's where someone says, oh, they took forever and I couldn't get my stuff. Because if you want to publish your book in March, you need your stuff done in Feb or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we have a little PDF actually that says a a whole list of important things to consider. I don't know if you'd like me to share that or not. Yeah, that'd be fabulous. Yeah, I will make sure I put that in the show notes. Okay, awesome. Yeah, because there aren't that many, but there are things that can make your experience pretty wonderful or pretty horrible if you know or don't know about them. Um, so I'm loath to ask this question because I know you're going to say it's a huge range and variable on, on a, a multitude <laughs> of um, factors. However, I have to ask price. Let's I know there are going to be a massive range, but even a ballpark of, of you know, what should an author go in expecting so that they're not. And, and I'm sure depending on the complexity, it could be vastly more. But is there a range of figures that um, authors should think is reasonable to pay? Because, you know, I have absolutely no idea what, you know, so if I went, I would have no idea if somebody was giving me a good price, a bad price. And obviously this is all relevant to 2019 when we are recording mm. this but yeah any even rough idea uh, to say reasonable price is, is a dangerous yeah, okay. <laughs> question um honestly it does vary extremely as mm-hmm. you said and i think a lot of it is your personal viewpoint and your budget some illustrators will charge two three four hundred dollars per a one page illustration, um, which, you know, a, a lot of, uh, most children's books are 32 pages or maybe 24, but the 32 page book often is then in excess of $10,000. Sorry, I don't know in pounds, but, um, which for most people's obviously way out of their budget, especially for indie authors. I mean, that's, yeah, it's a, a lot of money. So, um, I think, you know, it really does firstly come to your budget. But, of course, also you might have a big budget, but just go, I don't actually want to pay in excess of 10K. So, 
you know, I, I mean, f with freelancers, I think you can probably start getting illustrations from $30, $40, but that's for entry range newbie kind of people, I would say. So I would just check who you're working with, as I've said many times. But yeah, then it can definitely go up to three, four, five hundred for even single page. Yeah, okay. But I mean, that is helpful even because I literally had no idea what kind of prices. And I think that's really important to share that kind of information because, you know, it's very easy for an indie author to be ripped off if they're going in and, and don't have any idea of even a price range of what's realistic. So that is um, super helpful. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, sorry to, you can, you can probably get away with 2K dollars. Two thousand dollars, or you know, depending who you work with. Yeah. yeah. So you don't. Which have is to much pay more reasonable. Or eight, or yeah, if if someone charges you eight, you don't have to pay it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay. You are running a conference. Now, by the time this airs, the conference will be over. But I think if I'm right in in, in my um, thinking, uh, listeners will still be able to get access for a very small fee. So would you like to tell everybody um, a little bit about the conference, the content, and who the wonderful speakers might be? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so it's called Children's Book Mastery. And... Uh, it will have a lot of content that aren't that doesn't isn't just for children's book authors, but we made a children's book mastery so we can really just focus in on an area. Uh, some of the wonderful speakers will include <laughs> Sasha Black. Oh, stop! <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, we have quite a range like uh, Ray Brim, Laurie Wright, Lise Cartwright. Uh, sure, I'm forgetting. There's there's quite a few, but uh, specifically I. Um, invited speakers with a wide range of skills so that we can cover different things so that, you know, whoever's speaking about that topic has actually nailed that topic in practice. That's mm -hmm. the main thing. Um, the, the reason for the summit being or conference being that I work with authors obviously pretty much every day and I really want to help them succeed because to me it's kind of sad when you illustrate this beautiful book and it's a beautiful story and obviously the illustrations I think are beautiful because we made them but honestly it's you you know we've done some gorgeous books and you see the person putting it on their little site and I don't know how many they sell but I'm pretty sure five or ten or you know um or sometimes you see them putting the book on Amazon and it gets one review in the next six months you know and that it actually breaks my heart a bit I'm like it shouldn't be that way. Like they put their heart into this book. And so I wanted to put the summit together almost like a course that takes people from A to Z with self-publishing. You know, how do you start writing? How do you actually finish your book? Because some people are like, I've always wanted to write, but I can't sit my butt in the chair and write, you know. Um, and then all the nitty gritty, you know, for how do you get it formatted and edited? And how do you pick an illustrator? And how the hell does... Amazon, you know, KDP work and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and then specifically also for what I just mentioned, the marketing and the promotion. Like, how do you get people to see your book and buy your book? And how do you use uh, maybe free promos and things like that so that mm -hmm. people actually notice you? Amazing. Um, 
yeah and I am honoured and delighted to be speaking so um, I will so listening when this airs <laughs> I will have already done the promotion but I will be talking about this to all listeners so hopefully you've already heard of it if you haven't then I will be including all of the information on how to access it in the show notes anyway um okay this is my favorite question this is the rebel author podcast so tell us about a time that you unleashed your inner rebel Uh, yeah (laughs) so i mean i've never seen myself as a rebel but i've always been kind of weird and different um and i'm very non-traditional you know like with health and well-being and I've never had a real quote-unquote job (laughs) Uh, I don't own a tv um but uh having to find a specific time I thought okay when I was 20 I shaved my head did Um, you I love it yeah it was lovely I've I've always been like I wish I could just do it again but now I'm too nervous (laughs) but yeah I I was one day I was actually ironically working on a piece of uh, a design and painting a design by hand and it was this very geometric thing that was just a pain in the butt basically and I'd all I'd wanted to shave my head for a few months you know I was toying with this idea and I was like I hate this thing that I'm painting it's and I just got up and I just shaved my head (laughs) as a as a way to escape I think but I was so happy I did it it was awesome and then uh, yeah I actually did it again like a year later so no way I love it I love it I cut I cut two feet off my hair or no not no just just under two feet I think of my hair when I was 18 because my mum loved I think I've told this story already but my mum loved my hair so much she was like you absolutely cannot have your hair cut so I was like 18 before I'd been to hairdressers and um and then I went to university and I have this really I know my hair looks straight but it is super super curly and uh so I just I cut it I the the hairdresser plaited it and then just cut this entire plait off my hair um but two feet is 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 yeah it was down to my butt so I mean and it came right up to basically a pixie crop so yeah it was probably felt awesome and life. I know, I know. I cannot believe how heavy hair is. I just, yeah. yeah, it was. It was uh, amazing. Okay, so we are out of time. Tell listeners where they can find out more about you, your company, um, and and the, the conference. Okay, so our website is getyourbookillustrations, one word, dot com. Um, and uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook as well with getyourbookillustrations.com. The conference, as I mentioned, is called Children's Book Mastery. So the URL is childrensbookmastery.com. Also one word, obviously no apostrophe for the children's book. Uh, Yeah, and then on the site, I'm sure we'll be putting up the conference when it's ready. But, I mean, you can just go straight to that link. Okay, super. And I will, of course, include all of those links in the show notes. Okay, thank you very much to all of my wonderful patrons who get early access to all of the episodes as well as monthly bonus exclusive Patreon-only material. If you would like to join uh, us on Patreon and support the show, you can do so by going to www.sashablack.com. No, no, always, I always do this wrong. It's www.patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And that is Sasha with a C. Thank you very much to everybody listening. uh, And thank you very much to Karin. I'm Sasha Black. 
You were listening to Karin Ferreira and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I have Damon Swade on the show and we are talking all about verbs, prose, our sentences and how we can write stronger sentences, paragraphs and stories. Don't forget the question of the week this week is what was your favourite children's book? Make sure you tweet me or drop into my Facebook group and let me know. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.